Foundations Restored is the epic 17 DVD or streaming download series that completely refutes that most pernicious of modernist errors, evolution. This course is visually stunning and is presented so that lay people can grasp material and arm themselves with truth in the now necessary battle against the unscientific and diabolic evolution pushers. To order, simply use our handy ordering link, crusadechannel.com forward slash Adam. You can sample the first two episodes for free, and believe me, you will be hooked and want to watch the rest of the course. This is a PhD-level course in all facets of the myth that is evolution, including biology, cosmology, and geology. To get your first two episodes free of Foundations Restored, a Catholic perspective on creation, go to crusadechannel.com forward slash Adam. That's crusadechannel.com forward slash Adam. For the Pope to come down with sort of disciplinary measures about, okay, you know, this is sort of legitimate reforms we're making to the liturgy and so on and so forth. That's happened before. You know, for example, the, the quote primum, everyone talks about that. Uh, quote primum, in my opinion, in talking to uh, various priests, I don't know if you'd say it's an infallible document, meaning nothing about it can ever be altered. But certainly nothing about it can ever be taken away. Uh, you know, it's not stamped at locked at Cantor race that there can never be another reform to the liturgy. Okay, but whatever reforms you do to the liturgy have to be in continuity with the one of St. Pius V, at least for the Roman rite, promulgated, or codified, canonified, canonized. Well, the Pope Francis saying, you know, you can't have your mass in a parish. Well, I don't actually think that's canonically a legitimate thing for him to say. To tell a bishop who has who cannot say a mass in one of the churches under the bishop's jurisdiction, that's just unreasonable. I'm sure you can find some canon lawyer who wants to bend over backwards to, to defend the Pachamama and defend everything Pope Francis has done. But from a perspective of just governance of an institution, that's just a little bit silly. And it's definitely not a matter of the faith. We're going to talk about in a little while how you can actually be sure that church tradition gives us the permission and sometimes even the duty to actually disobey the Pope in certain circumstances. And it's not my opinion. These are opinions of great theologians from, well, you'll, you'll hear that in a little while. So we're going to go over that in a little bit, but I just wanted to touch on what I said about Pope Francis restricting the TLM just a little bit more before we move on. In the second hour, we're going to have uh, uh, Taylor Marshall coming on for the second segment of the second hour, just after 3.30 Central Time, 4.30 Eastern Time. He's going to call in. He's probably doing a show right now. Maybe we're taking away all his, all his viewers. Wouldn't that be something? And then in the last part of the show, we're actually going to talk about... Uh, some sort of uh, coronavirus Donald Trump analysis that I found from this author that I find pretty intriguing. That'll be the last hour of the show. And uh, also, I should say, we do have a new segment we're going to be starting. It's going to be called Study Hall. We're going to go over various books from TAN Books. They've been very gracious to partner with us in this, and we're going to be talking about books that they have to offer. So today, if we have time, we're going to get to our first installment of Study Hall and talk about liberalism is a sin. Just so everyone knows that I'm not a liberal. I actually believe that it's a sin. In any case, Pope Francis has restricted the traditional Latin mass to a degree. And I said the gist of it, if you're just joining us, then Kennedy Hall and go to crusadechannel.com forward slash Kennedy to sign up for the new show if you haven't, if you're just listening on the free stream. Pope Francis has sidelined in some ways traditional Latin mass communities. But my take is that this is actually great because here's the thing. God brings good out of evil. I pray for the Pope every single day. In fact, my, uh, my son Titus and my son Shiloh, my five-year-old and four-year-old, almost six, almost five, my two oldest boys, oldest of four, they're both enrolled in the scapular last Friday. And people say, well, you can't enroll your children in the scapular until you had your first communion. That's, act that's not actually the case. 
You just have to be of age where you can do the promises and pray the rosary every day is what the priests generally give as the promises now. You don't have to do the whole uh, office of the Blessed Virgin Mary, little office anymore. So my boys have been asking about the scapular for a long time. We pray the rosary every day as a family. So I thought, you know what? Given how strange things are, a little bit more reassurance that my boys are going to never die without the sacraments as long as they keep these promises as best they possibly can. I think that's something we're going to do. And the chapel school that we have is Our Lady of Mount Carmel. So for us at our parish, it was a very special feast day. We had a procession and all that kind of stuff. And I was, well, I have a picture. I posted it on Twitter of my sons being uh, clothed in those scapulars. And I'm actually welling up a little bit thinking about it. But my, you know, they're big boys for their age, but they're just little boys. And they got their little Converse sneakers on because the dress shoes, there's no point in buying dress shoes because they grow out of them every five minutes. And they have their suit vests on and their dress shirts and their little dress pants, little sneakers. There they are kneeling in front of the altar outside because we're still doing masses out here, outside here to, for the coronavirus restrictions. And and they're getting draped over the neck with the scapula. It was a beautiful time. I got wonderful pictures of it and I was very proud of them. And then I watched them process around the field in a Marian procession singing hymns. And it was a wonderful thing. But my whole point with this whole, this has been good for the church, in my opinion, is that we were driven to the Society of St. Pius X by circumstance. We could go to the traditional Latin Mass in a nearby city, which was 45-minute drive door-to-door. We did that for a year. We weren't sure what to do with the controversy, and I don't think it's a surprise. I don't think sorry. I don't think it's controversial on this uh, listenership. I can tell by the chat room that this is not an anti-SSPX place, which is wonderful. Thanks be to God for that. So for us, we just found tradition. And I wasn't sure what to do with the traditional controversy around the SSPX. I'm sure everyone knows what it is. If anyone listening doesn't know what it is, maybe send us an email. And I can talk about that on another episode, but that's a whole separate issue. But in any case, we used to go to a traditional Latin mass community. That mass was 40 minutes, 45 minutes from our house. And when we in the winter, you know, Canada is known for snow. I live in an area in Canada that's actually known for more snow than the rest of my province, or at least most of my province. It's called the snow belt. So I'm I'm in the snowy part of the snowy part of North America. It's wonderful. Pond hockey, white Christmases. If we had reindeer, they'd be going in the snow on our front lawn. We just have raccoons around here. But nonetheless, it is a wonderful place. However, driving can get really dicey. And I live in a small town, and to drive to this hour, in the winter, it amounted to about an hour, hour and 10 minute drive, which is not that long, but it was an hour, hour and 10 minutes, and we were driving by all of these uh, fields. If you know anything about fields in the winter, you get snow drift. You can't see. So we'd be driving to, to Mass, and it would seem like everything was fine. There was no snow, but the wind would pick up, and I'd have to drive at like 10 kilometers an hour. It got to the point where I said, this is crazy. I'm driving my family. You know, we got four months of good snow every year. And I'm driving my family. And almost half of that year, I'm basically risking our lives, which I would risk my life for the, my life for the faith. But the point was, is that 20 minutes door to door, there was a side of St. Pius 10th chapel. And I knew it was fine. But we, we just eventually made the, we made the commitment. We just said, we're just going to do this. Come what may, consequences come what may. And you know what? There were consequences. I got dropped from the speaking circuit. I was going to be speaking at all these diocesan events about masculinity and so forth. I got dropped from uh, some friendships because they called me schismatic. Some of that changed when the lockdown started kind of providentially. I said, oh, you're not crazy. Yeah, these priests really don't have faith in the diocese that was. But nonetheless, 
it wasn't the same going to the TLM community. We did our best. But there was one moment when we decided, you know, we're going to we, we go to this TLM community for a year. And the parish priest was not the priest who did the mass. It was another priest who would do the mass. He would do like rotating Latin masses around the diocese. He would come at 3 p.m. on Sundays. And I got four little children, all of whom are basically still of the ages where they have naps. 3 p.m. is like nightmare time for mass. You got to get in the car at 1 o'clock or 1.30 or 2 o'clock, depending on the weather. Your kids can't have a full nap, so they have a half nap. They're cranky when they get there. I mean, having the behavior at 3 o'clock for mass, that is not the time. And again, if I was in Ireland in the middle of the persecution and I had to go to a mass rock in the middle of the night, I would do that. But I'm saying if you don't have to do that, then you don't do that. If you're just tuning in right now, I'm Kennedy Hall. This is the first inaugural episode of The Kennedy Profession. We're talking about Pope Francis's restricting of the Latin Mass and how I think that's actually good for the church. The Crusader, the Crusader Stadium chat room is open. Go to crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. And while you're there, don't be afraid to donate. This is the feast day of St. Vincent de Paul. And it's not just, well, it's not just priests who might have to take a vow of poverty <laughs> to do something good for the church. So go to crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. You can call it one 844 and if you'd like, you can visit shop.mikechurch.com. And I'm about to light up my trusty pipe. I haven't named my pipe yet. Maybe the guys in the chat, the guys and gals can tell me what's named the pipe. Something like Old Faithful. I don't know. They're probably going to give some sort of stereotypical Canadian joke of a name. But if you're just tuning in right now, we're talking about Pope Francis restricting the traditional Latin Mass. I think it's good. When we left that traditional Latin Mass community, which we loved but we wanted something more. My kids were coming of age. They were starting to do things like ask about First Communion, this, that, and the other thing. And I realized, because this is about two years ago, so my oldest would have been almost four at the time. And I realized, oh man, I'm gonna, if I, put, if I keep my kids in this parish, which again, the parish priest was not the priest doing the Latin Mass there. The parish priest was a total leftist, wacko, homo heretic liberal. I mean that, I, I, unfortunately it's true. Um, emphasis on the homo heretic part. It was basically a James Martin, but lesser known. They would have things like eco jazz vespers. So, I mean, we were going like literally like bulletin board would say eco jazz vespers, whatever that is. I don't know what that is, but it's not Catholic. So I'm thinking I'm taking my family here for mass. There's this dichotomy of this beautiful liturgy that we go to. The, the church, thankfully, was basically untouched. It didn't have an altar rail and it did have a table altar, but it still had the massive high altar and the side altars and the stuff. It was sort of a historical landmark in the city. It was beautiful. But there was this dichotomy where you had this new modernist reality, which was the dominant factor of this place. And you couldn't miss it when you walked in. It was, you know, leftist caused that what, all in the narthex, all in the bulletin boards. And then we had this sort of rent-a-mass hour and a half every Sunday with a beautiful scola, beautiful vestments, really well attended. It, like, it was a good thing. If that's all you had, that's all you had. But the sermons from this priest who was traditional-ish, I mean, they still weren't very good. He was trained in the Novus Ordo and sort of aesthetically was a, was a, was a, was a traditionally-minded priest, but his training was not. So in the confessional, it was still the same stuff I heard from the average Novus Ordo and all that chicken soup for the soul and everything. So when we went to this SSPX chapel, which is a thriving place with multiple masses, a school, a daily mass, you know, everything. It's literally everything there. 
it's kind of like St. Mary's, Kansas, but in Canada. We joke that St. Mary's is actually, it's in a town called New Hamburg. We joke that St. Mary's is actually New Hamburg South. We're not St. Mary's North, they're New Hamburg South. But in reality, they're about 10 times bigger. But the point is, our faith exploded in a good way when we went to this traditional chapel. We were traditional-ish, and this is not me being an elitist. Some of the best Catholics I know go to the Novus Ordo. What I'm saying is for us, we went from hearing okay sermons and great liturgy once a week to daily mass as often as we wanted to, rosary and Latin and stuff before mass, processionals, uh, you know, processions around the church and the town, catechism classes, Eucharistic crusade for children. The point is we were pushed there by circumstance. And we were radicalized when we got there. And it's been the best thing that's ever happened to us. It's the best thing that's ever happened to our family. The best thing that's ever happened to our family was taking the full leap into the traditional Catholic faith. That's just the reality. And we were sent there by circumstance. Well, now you have potentially hundreds of thousands of Catholics in North America who will be pushed towards the traditional orders the Navy SEALs of Catholic priests, let's just be honest about the training, about the rigor, about the valor, about the courage of these men. You're going to have the traditional, you're going to have the Navy SEALs of Catholic priests taking in a huge influx of traditionally minded Catholics who have no idea what they're getting into in a good way. You see, it's this sort of thing, in my opinion. See, God takes evil and turns it into, or uses good out of evil. In my opinion, this will be the thing that will be part of the renewal of the church. And the reason I say that is because it's not about we, the way that the church operates as far as the health of the church. It's not a mathematical proposition. It's not as if God says, well, I need 51% or 50.1% of all baptized Catholics to be living in a state of grace. Otherwise, you know, to hell with them. That's not what God says. We know this. I mean, you look at uh, look at history, you have, you know, one little nun praying in some convent somewhere stops a war, and we find out a hundred years later because of some story she was visited by an angel. Like, you know these stories, 